In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. All right, we've got something today for you on a missing piece, treating constipation, and that you guys have loved this whole series. If you've missed any of them, go back. We've talked about a ton of different diagnoses. Today we're going to be hitting constipation. And just as a reminder, this is not the missing piece or something that's an absolute. There are no absolutes when we talk about this stuff, but just things that Nicole feels like are kind of overlooked, dismissed, or maybe not done often enough. Some common mistakes that we can be making or things that we can be overlooking. So we're going to be diving into that on constipation. Just as a quick announcement for those of you who are existing business owners, just be paying attention. Make sure you're checking out Nicole's stories. Our business accelerator program launches on Thursday. We've already had more than 125 of you sign up for that. It's going to be such an incredible program. We could not be more excited. It's a six-month coaching intensive that's going to take you guys to the next level. So many great people who are going to be in that and form an amazing community and support and all of that. So we get really pumped and excited about that. If you're an existing business owner, we talked a lot about that in last week's episode, so you can go back and check that out. But be paying attention for this Thursday when that program will launch. All right, Nicole. Treating constipation, what is a missing piece? It's something probably hugely complex and things that no one has heard of and and a brand new technique, right? (laughs) Wrong. Okay, so a missing piece for constipation is going back to the basics. And first of all, I want to just say I freaking love treating constipation. And we all know as pelvic rehab peeps that constipation is a huge part of a lot of different diagnoses. And we actually did a study at Pelvic Sanity that we actually presented at IPPS. Gosh, I don't even remember when, but a little bit of a while ago. When we still had time to do research studies at Pelvic Sanity. (laughs) Right, actually true. Some some new stuff coming out soon. But yeah, so this is something we looked at a while back. Do you remember the numbers, Nicole, or were you going to just throw? So we didn't talk about this beforehand, guys. So <laughs> Nicole was going to throw me under the bus and say that we did this research study. And then let me guess, you're going to ask me what the results were? I am, but I think I remember, actually. Okay, what's your closest guess? Okay, I believe. So the thing that we looked at was how many people that came in with a diagnosis that was not colorectal in nature. So a, a non-bowel diagnosis. So things like stress urinary incontinence, painful intercourse, and then we, et cetera. Then we looked at how many of those people actually had some sort of a bowel complaint. And I believe it was 80% or 83%, 83. 73. 73. Damn it. Really dang close. And 69% of that was constipation. Oh, okay. I didn't, I did not remember that. Good thing I have you. Yes. Okay. So 73% of people had a 
bowel complaint, 69% of people had a constipation-specific complaint that was not their primary reason for coming into the clinic, and they did not disclose it on their list of, hey, why are you here today? It was like stress, urinary incontinence, everything else but that. Which should track with you guys. It certainly tracks with me having talked to people at the front desk. I think it's only been, I mean, I can still think it's probably been a handful of people who have called us with constipation as a primary complaint. And I think that's going to feed into a little bit of what we're going to talk about later. But usually this is something that sometimes people don't even know they have, right, Nicole? This is something that is a contributing factor or, oh, I've just always been irregular or whatever. I'm sure that tracks with your guys' clinical experience. Yeah. So, I mean, just take a little, you know, non-research-based look at your own patient list. And I know that we know, we all know that it is a huge component. It can be a huge contributing factor to things like interstitial cystitis. It can be a direct issue with penile neuralgia. Like there are a lot of things that constipation can jack up. So I love treating it. I love seeing the light bulb on with patients when we talk about it and they actually start to believe that that might be the why, quote unquote, of their other pelvic floor conditions. I love when we are, I use it a ton to point it out that yes, you have constipation, which sometimes people need education to Jesse's point. Like they don't really know what the definition is. It's been such a longstanding problem for so long that they've normalized whatever poor bowel habits they have. And so we don't I, talk about it as a society, right? So right. it's not like you're comparing it with your friends in high school and being like, dude, how many times have you pooed this week? Because it's only been two for me and I'm not feeling great. <laughs> yeah, no one says that, right? And so and then you I- you a pelvic PT and that's literally all that you talk about. Right. We're like- we talk about bowel habits like quite a bit. And now that we have Clay, we're just like getting so excited when he poos. We're looking at his poo all the time. And then I'm, I mean, I always look at my poo every time, literally every time you guys, I like will either admire or be like, oh dang, shoot or shit. (laughs) Actually, that is a problem. I need to do X, drink more water today, eat vegetables, do whatever, which actually tracks with some of our what we're going to talk about. But I also love when we're talking with patients about having that be something that they start to get the light bulb turned on and they start to care about it. And so I'm always looking for me educating and talking about how those two things are related. Oh, it could be related to the hip pain and sciatic pain that you've been having. Look at where the rectum is. This is so cool. Um, Yeah, now 20 second time out. Let me back up there a little bit because I feel like that can sometimes be difficult or it's difficult for some clinicians to make people care about bowel habits when they're in there for something that is seemingly, as a patient, completely different, right? I have a problem in my hip. Why will this chick stop going on about the (laughs) Bristol freaking stool scale and just fix? My hip. Maybe I need to go to a chiropractor and just get it popped back in. It'll be fine. How do you get that light bulb moment for people when nearly every single person who walks in doesn't think of that as an issue? Well, I'll tell you what I don't do. I don't talk about it ad nauseum on the first visit, right? It's all about planting those seeds and almost acting like it's kind of no big deal, but like, hey, I'm just going to throw this out there. I want you to take a look at like where the rectum is. 
kind of pressing on like some of those nerves in the back of your sacrum. Now, I need to like look at that a lot more, but we're going to come back to that. Or it's also how I bring up rectal treatment a lot of times. It's like, man, I really think that that is a huge thing. It's been there for a really long time. But, you know, that's sometimes a quick win that is not that, right? And a quick win is not fixing constipation that they've had since they were 15 years old, right? So it's something that you just have to keep going back to and asking about and start to normalize talking about it in your sessions. So the answer to your question, Jesse, is I I just will consistently talk about it. That's how I get people to start caring. And then once you start to plant that seed about like, oh, she's going to ask me, I better pay attention. Oh my gosh, this is actually jacked up. What I am saying, what I put on the sheet isn't actually what's happening. And then we can start to talk about those discrepancies. And now we're starting to piece together puzzles. So we're almost like tricking the patient into coming up with it by themselves. So the my best case of this is, is when somebody comes in and they're like, you know what? I don't know if this is something that, you know, you want me to even talk about, but like it might be too much information, but, you know, and then they start talking about their poop. If that's something that they're talking about and they're here for incontinence or interstitial cystitis, I'm like, yes, we got it. But it's something that I'll point out on the intake form as a reason why we're talking about it. It's one of the four functions of the pelvic floor. And so we start to just throw in little tidbits But it's not a huge educational session where they'll just like tune you out and they're like, wow, this chick's really obsessed with poop and think you're like kind of a weirdo. I mean, they already think we're kind of weird for being in the specialty in the first place. They can't believe they're sitting in the chair. So if they're coming in for something other than bowel and you start talking a lot about bowel on the first day, like you're going to lose people. And so we all are pretty obsessed with poop because we know how important it is, but not everybody gets there. So we have to make sure that when we're talking about it, people, we've given them breadcrumbs to kind of come along our pathway a little bit for a tad. And then we're going to start to get them to realize that it's really important and that they should be thinking about it as well. So I think that brings in another reason why this is a little bit of a tricky diagnosis or thing to work with. One is that it's oftentimes a secondary complaint, or frankly, not even a complaint at all, but a primary driver to the symptom. So it doesn't really seem related. I think the other thing that kind of gets in in the head a little bit, and we actually just had this at Pelvic Sanity with one of our first people in a long time who came in with a primary diagnosis of constipation. I had talked to him on the phone and it was super impressive. Like what he'd been to, he'd been dealing with this for 20 years. He had gone to multiple physicians. He'd done quote unquote everything. And I bet that will track because what we probably don't see, like never in the history of ever, is somebody coming in and saying, hey, I've got a constipation problem. And you guys are like, oh, cool. What else have you tried for? Who else have you been to? And they're like, "Uh, nobody. I thought pelvic PT was the right place to go first. (laughs) Yeah. Right? In 20 Uh, years, that's where we're going to get to. Like, that's part of our goal. If you're in the accelerator program, you're going to be helping that too by educating the community. But that's not the way it happens. If they are coming in with constipation, it's after they've tried literally, quote unquote, everything else, and you might as well try this, or this is the Hail Mary pass, or this is, well, it couldn't hurt, and we've done everything else, right? 100%. So I totally agree with that. The other like tricky part of this is that people don't report well what's actually happening 
A, or B, what will happen is that your super healthy, health-conscious person who's eating super good and they're paleo and they're this and they're gluten-free and they're watching all of the, I don't know, things in their food and they don't use a microwave and all this stuff, right? Soy. Soy is a thing, right? Yeah, soy is actually one of the major inflammatory things that can happen in our food, but they've got it all down and they look healthy, they look fit, and then you're like, Okay, you're eating pretty good. And then you just skip over that and talking about bowels at all because you're asking, oh, do you poop every day? And they're like, yeah. And then you're you're like, like, cool. Well, you must have no bowel problem because you look healthy. You just wrote on your form that you eat way better than I do. It's like we're not going to need to compare any notes here on what I had for dinner. So that's how they can also be really tricky. So I think then the tendency is – to think that it has to be, I guess, more complex than it is. Because, right, there's a lot of different ways that you guys can influence bowel function. If you were thinking about this in a more complex way, like where would you be tempted to go with someone who had done everything? They've done colonoscopies and they've done endoscopies and they've done, I don't know what other tests there are, like all of defecographies, right? Oh, okay. Good job. And you even got the inflection correct. I That felt wrong when I said it. And it's actually correct. Yeah. So. Nice. Anyway, don't make me say it again. I don't <laughs> think I could. I blocked out for a second there. But where could we go with some of that before the big secret is kind of getting back to basics? What are the not basics? Like where are the things where you might be tempted to say, cool, this person's done everything. Now they're in my office. That all must be good. So we have to do that the most important complex things. Oh, now we're going to, okay, the most complex things we can do is like, I'm going to have you do a even more extensive bowel and bladder diary than you've ever done before in your life. And then we're going to do it for longer. We're going to take a look at your supplements and we're going to do rectal balloon training. And you're going to go to this naturopath and get tested for SIBO and mold and fungus and worms and all kinds of stuff. Or we're going to hyper-focus on everything else that someone hasn't done, which can sometimes be a good thing. But in this case, you're going to be like, and your posture and your breathing. And I need to look at the vagus nerve really in depth and, and really attack your nervous system upregulation. And we need to get this stress under control. And then you are now down that rabbit hole of stuff with people that, I mean, objectively is like really hard to change in a lot of folks. I think that's a good point too, Nicole. Talk to about because you mentioned that a little bit that when we were talking about this topic, and that we sometimes underestimate just how difficult it is to ask somebody to make major changes in their diet and what they eat. That is probably, you guys, I mean, that is one of the most difficult things for somebody to do. Just think about it in our own lives. If someone told us like, hey, wine is a huge problem and They'd you need find, to stop drinking it. Yeah, no, they've, no one would ever find the body. <laughs> that's, that's a shallow grave deep in the woods, it's like, what? So it's just like we underestimate that. In fact, I was reflecting not too long ago on well, – I forget who I was talking to. The story is sucking already, but bottom line is that – I was remembering like how much I hated in PT school the class we had on behavior change and what I wouldn't give now to go back and take that class and like look at all of the social 
factors that come into that and all the cultural things and right. all of the stuff that I was like, oh my gosh, just let me get to the, get, let me go to my ortho class and like do hip mobs. And like, I need to go to my neuroanatomy class and learn about the cranial nerves and what we really needed to all focus on. Instead of having a year of ortho, we should seriously have a year on how to change people's behavior Dude, because that's really- take a really page out of difficult. the OT's book, right? Dude, yeah. Take a freaking page out of the OT's book, honestly. That is what they a lot of times might prioritize or focus on a lot first. So you could correct me if I'm wrong, OTs, but I think honestly, you do that a lot better than us physical therapists. So bottom line though, is that we need to go back to basics. And I'm not saying that any of those things that I just said are not necessary. In fact, they can be extremely necessary in the right patient. But I think we have a tendency sometimes when someone comes in with this diagnosis or we're trying to treat this diagnosis as a driver to their primary problem, that we make it more complicated than it actually is. And we forget about going back to the basics for constipation. And this is the foundation of building good bowel habits. And so any tweak that you make to their nutrition, any rectal balloon training that you do, any postural change that you make, anything like that still needs these basic functions of bowel habits that need to be addressed and need to be sure that your patient is actually following through on these and consistently following through on them. And I think that's where we can also fall off. Right. Where some They were talked about this either by you a long time ago or by another practitioner and the assumption is just that they like they learned it already. And I think sometimes maybe this is a little bit of like the curse of experience or expertise with you guys in the clinic. But I think we sometimes forget, and I do, being around like what we do, how short and rushed most physician visits are. So even if somebody has heard some of these basic things before, like they've probably, if they're in your office and asking for help with constipation, someone has told them about drinking water before, but did that somebody have like an hour to explain it? Did they ask questions? Were they able to come up with the barriers to that and help the person work through them? Did they follow up with them the next week and ask them how their water drinking was going? Or was this in a visit that was supposed to be 15 minutes? It's usually actually seven where you're only able to talk for less than 10 seconds before you interrupted. They scribble down a bunch of stuff on the piece of paper, hand it to you and walk out the door. And the assumption is, is that somehow you're going to retain that information and actually follow through on it when they, you know, chances of that happen are pretty much zero. Yeah. So that's a whole nother, you know, can of worms. But sometimes I think we overestimate like the value of some of the other practitioner conversations that they've had when they aren't the amount of time that you guys get with patients and they don't have regular follow-ups and all of that stuff. So whenever we talk about getting back to basics, there's a, you guys know Nicole and I are both big basketball fans, but there was a moment we were watching a game together and it was the Lakers were playing. It was in the NBA finals. It must've been 2008, 9, 10 when they were playing the Celtics those years. And they're in the middle of this really intense, it's the fourth quarter. They zoom in, the camera zoom in on the huddle and you get to hear what the coach is saying. And you would expect the season is on the line. This is the most important game most of these players have ever played. This is one of the best coaches, Phil Jackson, in the history of the game. Fourth quarter, almost tie game, six minutes left. And what is he saying? Play defense. Move your feet. 
Don't reach. See man and ball. Right? In that tone. And, and it's just a reminder, get back to the basics. Even in that moment, the highest level of athletes who have trained for years, that's the same stuff for those guys who aren't familiar with basketball that you teach to a three-year-old. That's exactly the same thing you would hear in any camp in high school across the country. And he's telling it to these multimillionaire, world-class athletes with six minutes left in the biggest game of their life. Why? Because the basics matter. And sometimes we let those slip, thinking about more complex things, what play to run or what, what's the most thing that we can do in the situation. And in reality, the most valuable thing is just get back to basics. Do the little stuff right. And most of the time, the big stuff will fall in line. And so, Nicole, back to basics. What do we mean? Okay, and, and I'm not trying to give you 10 things of getting back to basics. I tried to keep this down to just a few. So they are eat breakfast. And is it something that you can chew? All right, we got to take advantage of that gastrocolic reflex. A lot of people skip breakfast. And a lot of people are drinking their breakfast. And so it's not great. Are you drinking water and are you drinking water early in your day? Are you taking magnesium? There is a shit ton of people, no pun intended, in this world that are magnesium deficient. It is really important for colon motility. Very important. Are they walking? Are they doing that early in their day? And are we doing the squatty potty or some sort of knees above the hips, mechanics with toileting. It's super important, you guys. And I want you to also take the next step with your patient. Look at the barriers to these things. Look at the excuses that come up when you specifically ask them, did you get a squatty potty? No. Why? We didn't have a squatty potty in our house for a really long time because I hated the stupid plastic version of it. And I didn't get it until I realized that there was a cute bamboo one right? Oh, no, I looked at it. I'm embarrassed to buy it. I do, doesn't look good in my bathroom. It's bulky. I don't, I mean, just all of those things. If you're not asking the question, even if they're picking up what you're putting down, and even if they say, okay, I've got it, I'll do it, then you've got to follow up with them. And if they're not doing it, you got to give them alternatives. And if you're, they're not doing that, you got to ask them why. If they don't understand, or they just don't want to, or they think you're full of shit, Again, no pun intended. We've got to figure out what those barriers are to those things. That the schedule part of looking at, are you eating breakfast? Are you chewing your food? Are you, what is the barriers to eating breakfast? Oh, I, I my schedule on the day and, and all that stuff. Now I'm talking about their work schedule. I'm talking about their sleep schedule. I'm talking about, can you get up early? No, I can't because my husband doesn't do that. All those things. That is how you can get back to basics and then make sure that the foundation is there so that if and when we do those other complex things that might need to be done, then then the, they might actually work because they'll be on a good foundation. Right. Because that, I mean, this really seems kind of self-evident. That's the whole point of this. But man, is there anybody out there who would not benefit from doing these five things? If you Do you really believe that there's somebody who could eat breakfast and chew the way that you're supposed to do and then be drinking water in the morning? go for their morning walk, be taking their regular magnesium and using a squatty potty, and that wouldn't have some sort of benefit? I mean, do you know how fundamental that is to like sleep and movement and all the things? Like we talk about that your pelvic health 
foundations being some of those things. And I feel like we get too far in the weeds on, ooh, are we eating fiber at the right amount of time and how much insoluble and soluble and all the things when someone isn't even eating breakfast. So like, that's the first thing to do is like, hey, are you eating? Are you eating breakfast? And is it something that you can chew, right? The one thing you will notice that isn't on that simple, simple, simple list is a colon massage. Do I think that's a relatively simple thing to do? Yes. Do I think it's important? Absolutely. Do I teach it to a lot of people? Yes. But it's not always the thing that is truly fundamental to toileting and and having a bowel movement. Those five things that I just gave you are, I think, more important than doing a colon massage. So there you have it, guys. Simplify, simplify, simplify when it comes to this. If you guys have questions, as always, make sure to reach out. Let us know. We've been loving the feedback we've getting from this A Missing Piece series. If you have any thoughts on future podcast episodes or things you want us to cover, please let us know. We love getting your suggestions and having that feedback so we can create amazing stuff for you and business owners pay attention. Guys, as always, we want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. Rise.